Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Heron Outlet. I am Austin Robilar, joined by Alex Winley and Andres, the producer in the back. Uh, welcome in, guys. We've got a, a good show leading up to Inter-Miami's game against Atlanta, but there has been a lot in the works for this club. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we covered a little bit of a Generation Adidas Cup uh, where the U-15s went out in the round of 16. The U-17s made it to the uh, semifinal and lost to the eventual winners. Uh, we've had U.S. Open Cup. We've had Inter-Miami CF2. We've got the first team. So much to cover. Uh, we're here doing that now in um, I guess, you know, in a little bit of a preview going into into the Sunday match against Atlanta. And it seems like they always play Atlanta around this time of the year for some reason at home. I think last year it was around Mother's yeah. Day and the year before it was. Yeah, it, you know, it, it it's it is what it is, but good stuff. Nonetheless, um, I, I wanted to just briefly mention you can go actually and check our, our full analysis out over on the YouTube channel in our rapid reaction. But briefly mention that Inter Miami beat Miami FC in the U.S. Open Cup 1-0, as I'm sure everybody knows by this point. Uh, but we haven't gotten a chance to touch on the U.S. Open Cup draw uh, for the next round. I believe it's the round of 32 Inter Miami were drawn in a group with Philadelphia, Orlando themselves, and South Georgia Tormenta. And luckily for Miami fans and everybody around South Florida, Miami were drawn not only as hosts for the round of 32 matchup, but they were drawn against a third tier uh, side, South Georgia Tormenta FC, USL League One, which seems to be a favorable draw. Phil Neville keeps saying that this is another one of those banana peels or banana skins, whatever the term he's been using um, kind of games. And, you know, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, but something to note, too, before I ask you about your quick thoughts, Alex, is that Darren Powell with Fort Lauderdale CF played against South Georgia Tormenta multiple times last year. One of those games, I think when I asked him about it, was a 4-4 game, which is pretty crazy. Um, but I, when I asked him about that, if he was going to be like a, a scouting kind of person for the for the first team with Phil, he said he texted the gaffer almost right away. Uh, and they, They're getting to work on it. And Phil Neville said that his experience will come in handy, too. So that's something good to have. You've got experience with a team that has a little bit that's had had a little bit of a turnover uh, i think darren powell said specifically in midfield uh but still a favorable draw nonetheless but not something to take lightly there right alex yeah um i think uh, you know us home cup is always so tricky like uh last round we saw multiple mls teams fall you know the crew's out uh chicago's out and i believe another team um i think austin fc so yeah it's, it's tricky and as you said, South Georgia Tormenta FC, they're not a team to be taken lightly. We saw them uh, play against Fort Lauderdale CF last season. They're a very good side, although they do have, they did have a lot of turnover. Uh, like, you know, Neville said, he mentioned that Inter-Miami, they're going to take this tournament seriously. So this could absolutely be a banana pill for Inter-Miami, but at the same time, it's a very winnable game and a favorable draw for them because if they beat them, I think, Either they'll get um, uh, the Union Orlando next. I don't know if they're going to redraw or, or after that or whatnot. But, yeah, it's a favorable uh, draw for them not to draw another uh, MLS team this round. I know it's me assuming that uh, Georgia, uh, South Georgia won't, you know, play well or whatnot. But it's a good draw for Inter-Miami. Um, yeah, it's a definitely a beatable game. And it'll be at home in drive pink, so they'll have the home field advantage as well. So, yeah, it's it's it, it's winner or winner go home, and, and Neville said that they do want to take this tournament seriously, and uh, I fully expect them to go all, all all out on that one. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that even if it's, you know, a couple of like a lineup that we saw against Miami FC could be something around those lines. But I think that Phil Neville and the club are pretty dead set on trying to win this competition, knowing well and good that it is their probably only hope to get into the CONCACAF Champions League at this season um, or, or for next season, I should say. So it's something to keep an eye on. And like you said, too, it's Drive Pink Stadium's first ever U.S. Open Cup match or any tournament style match that the club has had, uh, which is going to be extremely exciting for the fans for La Familia Uh, I believe the game is set to be May 10th around 8 p.m. I think I got that confirmation from the club but I'll I'll double check on that but I think that that's what it should be May 10th uh, which is a Tuesday at 8 p.m. against South South Georgia Tormenta at Drive Pink should be a fun one I love the U.S. Open Cup one of my favorite competitions in sports so it's exciting I've had I've had a good time getting to cover it the Miami FC game was fun I have the Miami Classico shirt on if you can see it or anybody oh, watching on nice. YouTube, I did end up picking one up just because I felt like the occasion was special enough to. Yeah. Um, but let's let's move on because uh, we will touch on that game more and more in the details of it um, as we get to that point in a couple of weeks. But for now, we've got two things going on. We, we just wrapped up watching Inter-Miami CF2 take on FC Cincinnati. Now, this game was a very important one for this side because, uh, well... They lost to NYCFC to 7-0 uh, the week before. And I would say, luckily for us, there were streaming issues and we didn't get to watch the game. And that was a yeah. little bit of a joke in the press conference yeah. uh, during the week. Uh, but listen, it, it was it's definitely a tough loss. There's not really much to say about it. That's kind of just what the mood's been like. And it was like, yeah, you know, we need to take what we can from it. Try not to take too much away. Move on, progress, and get ready for the next one. And it seems like Inter-Miami 2 did just that. Darren Powell's side put up a a a performance nonetheless not a great one but they it, there was a performance uh from them against Cincinnati when I think the game was being played in not Ohio uh if I'm not mistaken it was in somewhere else but that's besides the point um it was a 1-0 win Tyler Bagley scored an absolutely beautiful goal from about 25 yards out um but the performance the lineup Alex what did you see uh from Darren Powell side coming off a 7-0 loss and now getting to keep a clean sheet. Uh, it seems like this team is always on and off with the clean sheets or conceding a ton of goals. So um, the inconsistency has been consistent with them. Yeah, and I think that game was – it definitely looked a little shaky at times. You know, coming off a, a loss like that, you're, you know, your ego's bruised and, and you know, it's difficult to, to get up to the speed of things again. But they did well. They, they, they uh, uh, weathered the FC Cincinnati 2 storm and – and, you know, Zulu Uega, excuse me if I butchered his last name, Zulu Uega, he had a couple of good saves to to to, to keep the, the uh, Inter-Miami CF2 in the game. He had the penalty save and a couple of good claims uh, throughout the match. And, yeah, I think if that goal would have went in and the, the penalty would have went in in the first half, um, obviously it would have looked a, a completely different game. But then Tyler Bagley went and had this just crazy, like, FIFA-esque goal where you just kind of – put your foot through it and have a little curve on it. It was such a, it was so nicely set up for him. He just ran onto it and, and just curled it at the, the near post. It was just a really cool goal to see. And yeah, they needed that win. They're back on top of the Eastern conference again after that super bad loss. So it's, 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 um you know, they're, they're back to good form in Miami CF too. Sorry. Yeah. And for for what uh, that means for, I guess, the standings um, would be 
you know, not only are there conferences in MLS Next Pro, there are uh, divisions as well. And Miami are taking part in the Central Division uh, with the only other team that right now is pretty much close to them and probably going to overtake them is Columbus Crew, too, uh, which I believe they got a draw against, if I'm not mistaken, in the first game. Uh, if Columbus Crew, too, win their next game, they'll go ahead on points. Miami will be second. Same goes for the conference as well. Those have been the two best teams in the conference. Uh, New England Revolution are still waiting to play a couple of matches. But nonetheless, it's it, it was a performance. They they got the win. It was rough. It was a it was a lot of end to end football. I would say it seemed like one side would have a barrage of attacks and the other side would have a barrage of attacks on the other end, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. Something that stood out for me. Um, well, we had Ryan Saylor make his professional debut. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he can be a composed defender. Probably difficult for him to play in this sort of a lineup at the moment you know modesto mendez had been getting really used to ethan harden uh the 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 wide backs as well were probably getting into a good form they were all playing together for a, a you know they were starting together for a good run of games so this is kind of a move that you just wanted to see sailor get some minutes under his belt harden ended up coming in later on in the match i believe at halftime uh darren powell did say that he would be on limited minutes and so too would Edison as Kona, who had, I thought, the best game for Inter-Miami CF2. The guy is a workhorse. The guy is an engine. The guy is very technically gifted. Edison as Kona loves to be on the ball, loves to take on defenders, loves to try and find a, you know, a pass that can be threatening or even just dribble and threaten himself. It seems like he can be a good player as long as he continues to develop in the right ways, and that's something that stood out for me, especially from an, a first-team uh, standpoint. But, yes, Inter-Miami CF2 – get the result nonetheless one nil because of tyler bagley uh and they're looking back to be on hoping to be back on form after the seven nil loss and hopefully they can just push aside and not have to remember for the rest of the year uh with that said though inter miami cf one the first team uh should be playing uh i don't think there's any bad weather although it has been extremely windy so those kind of conditions could make an impact on sunday at dry pink stadium against atlanta united uh alex your initial thoughts on the matchup before we get into injury report and everything like that i mean atlanta has seemed to be a formidable opponent time and time again uh, i believe the record between these two sides have been six games and it's two wins two draws and two losses for each team uh Pretty crazy, but it seems like Atlanta, for some reason, at least as of the end of last year, uh, has had Miami's number. But going into this game, they've had Brad Guzon injured. Joseph Martinez is injured. Still trying to figure things out on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, what do you see from Atlanta as an opponent in this match? Uh, they'll be tough. You know, Atlanta always gives Miami a, a difficult game. But, um yeah, I, I think um, Miami's in a bit of a good, uh, you know, they're in good good form. They're in a good run right now, you know, Campana scoring. The team offensively seems to be progressing a bit more. Uh, Atlanta, they're always a difficult uh, opponent. And, you know, these one o'clock games are always so tricky because of the weather and and whatnot. So um, I'm just, I don't know. I think it'll it'll be a tough game for both sides, I think. The weather is going to make it a bit of a slog. I don't think it'll it'll, it'll be a, a high-scoring game or anything. I think, you know, Atlanta, they're also missing several players due to injury. Rad Guzon, uh, unfortunately, he, he, he I think he went out with an Achilles injury, and he'll be out for the rest of the season. And um, a couple other players that I have to, to, you know, we'll get into it with the injury report. But, 
yeah, I think Atlanta, they'll be tough. You know, they've got that precedent. They're the, they're going to want to come down here uh, to get, you know, a couple of points. They're sitting fourth in the Eastern Conference, and, uh, you know, they would obviously want to continue climbing. So, yeah, I think it'll be difficult. They put six past uh, Chattanooga FC uh, during the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, then again, you know, it's the U.S. Open Cup, and, you know, it's a lower league side, but that's an extraordinarily impressive performance. But, you know, Miami has been doing well, and the center back duo of Mabika and, and Lowe, they've been doing super well. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? It could end, uh, uh, you know, 0-0-1-1, or, you know, Miami can get the win, or Atlanta, I think. I don't know. I think it's probably more evenly matched than we think. I know people want to say, you know, oh, Atlanta for the win, but, you know, this isn't the Atlanta United of old. You know, there's, they, they do struggle as well. So, you know, it, it all depends, really. I think it depends. On- I want to I talk tactics with you, though, because there's no Gregory in this match, and we've also seen a center-back partnership developing really well. We also now have Gonzalo Higuain back. So from back to front, Alex, I'm going to pick your brain on what Phil Neville tactically and lineup-wise should do. Um, so what we've seen in the last couple games is a back four. It's been more of a 4-3-3. This back four has consisted of Damian Lowe and Ame Mabika for the most part. Um, and out wide, you've seen Christopher McVeigh at left back and DeAndre Yedlin at right back. Now, it was a little different for the U.S. Open Cup game as there was a little bit of rotation. But at the end of the day, it ended up ending the game like that. So this is something that I think Phil Neville believes is his strongest lineup. Christopher McVeigh out on the left at first gave us some worries, but it seems like he's really eased into the role, um, especially with, you know, defensive duties being asked of certain midfielders and even left wingers. Um, so what what do you think should be the key here? What have you seen from Mabika and Lowe? Um, and it, does he just go about it in the same way and try not to break any of these four guys up? Yeah, you don't break that up. I, you know, Atlanta, they have a lot of tricky players, Moreno, Almeida, uh, they'll be the ones to look out for, you know, they're extraordinarily good dribbling, uh, you know, passing the ball. So, um, and, and we've seen with the, the center back duo of Lowe and Mabika, they are susceptible of, you know, having balls in behind and, you know, maybe playing a bit too high and not getting back in enough. So if Miami needs to be careful with that because Atlanta, they could easily play a through ball in between them and, and, you know, it could spell trouble for Miami's back line. But if they, you know, play in the mid block, you know, keep it compact and try to hit them on the counter like they did against Seattle. I know it's a very reductive thing to do, especially, I don't know, you're a home team and you want to have more of the ball, but this team, they're just not really built to play possession soccer. Um, And there's nothing wrong with counterattacking, so I I predict that, you know, Miami will try to play out of the back, but, you know, eventually, you know, they'll just let Atlanta have the ball, uh, you know, get them in behind because you know the the pace of Lassiter and Robinson it's it's super like deadly and especially with Campana uh you know following them in behind it's it, it's proved to be a, a bit of a, a lethal uh com uh you know trio really so yeah I, I think Miami will just sit back maybe try to control the game a bit more but I think they'll sit back let Atlanta have the ball and then strike them on the counter now now, what do you do in the midfield then if you want to go on and play that style without Gregory um, because he is suspended due to yellow card accumulation? Yes, we are only seven or eight games in. It's a little bit ridiculous, but uh, that's the type of player you're going to get with Gregory. We all knew that that was going to happen. Um, you know, Mo Adams is probably going to be the guy that's going to play in that that role 
to replace him. Jean Mota, possibly Robert Taylor again in the middle, other than him playing out on the wing, as we saw against Miami FC after he before he was dropped into a midfield role. Is it going to be Jean Mota, Mo Adams, and Taylor? And if so, how do you go about using those three in a midfield that doesn't have that sort of same style aggressor and pressurer that Gregory is? Um, I, I don't know. I think Mo Adams, uh, he obviously he's not as good of a you know ball screener as a Gregory, but I do think he can do that job a bit well. I know uh, when he does play, usually he's alongside Gregory, so he's forced to play a, a bit more advanced but when he is the lone six I know I think we talked about this yeah I know you have are a little apprehensive about him uh playing as that lone six uh you know I I do think he can do a job if his job is just you know winning balls and then pushing them out to other players similar to what Gregory does but you know maybe not as you know advanced a role that Gregory can sometimes push up and whatnot but yeah I think Especially with Robert Taylor and John Mata, they they are guys that do, you know, they they are guys that like to get forward a lot, and um, if you leave space in behind this Atlanta team, you know they will counter you back. So um, yeah, it'll be a tricky, but I, I think if Miami can keep that midfield uh, a single pivot and then have the the center two center backs of Low and 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 uh, Mabika just sort of like a mock back three, but not really just to keep that. Uh, centrality and those numbers in the midfield you can you know spread out the the fullbacks a bit more and uh play through them and then um combine well in the wings which uh, Miami seemed to to love doing because that's how you know Robbie scored his goal in Seattle so yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see but I, I do think they'll they'll play through the wings keep uh, uh try to keep Atlanta from the central areas push them uh offensively push uh you know Miami's gonna push out wide and then try to get him behind that way can you do that if Gonzalo Higuain is in the lineup. No. And, well, yeah, that, that's a very straightforward answer. No is probably the right one, too. Um, and do you think that, Fres- I mean, he returned to training along with Karen Gibbs and Victor Ujoa. And so now the question, you know, remains, is Phil Neville going to put Gonzalo Higuain in the lineup? Now, I'm pretty sure that we're probably both in agreement that the front three it should be a 4-3-3 with the midfielders we just named and then also Robbie Robinson, Leonardo Campana, and Ariel Lasseter um, as the as the front men. But does do you have any kind of a feeling or hunch that Phil Neville is going to change this up, possibly revert to a 4-4-2 with playing two strikers, having Higuain play a little bit behind that we saw sometimes, I believe, in Austin and, and in the game before? Um, can those two play together? And why do you not want them to play together? Because I think I know where you're going to go with this. Uh, no, I, Gonzalo genuinely is uh, past his time. You know, he's, you know, with Campana scoring and being a different sort of profile player, Iguain, he's definitely, uh, I, I, yeah, he's he's just not it, really. He's not quick enough. MLS is a physical and very quick league. Uh, like I said, Campana scoring, and it's just, yeah, he just doesn't fit really. Maybe coming off the bench when Miami needs a bit more possession or whatnot. But um, now, no, I, I don't think the, the two-striker duel up top, it, it sounds good in theory, but, you know, it never worked out. And then Campana and Iguain would occupy the same spaces. And then that would, you know, Campana would struggle because of that. So, yeah, it, it just doesn't work. And I know a lot of people want to chew Juan Iguain into the lineup because he's Iguain and, you know, look at his career, but, you know, it, it's, 
you know, I think Miami is past that. Maybe he comes off the bench. Playing him as a 10, it, it just doesn't work because he doesn't have the work the work rate for that anymore. So, um, no, I, I hope not. But um, uh, Neville did say Campana was starting on uh, uh, during the post-game match, uh, post-game conference uh, after uh, the Miami FC game. So, yeah, and, and I don't see him, you know, switching formations to drop Lasseter or Robinson. So I, I don't think uh, Iguain will, will will start. Maybe off the bench, but... I, I don't know how much of Phil Neville is trying to put up a front to not only the media, but to Atlanta United as well, because, yeah. you know, they want obviously them to think that Higuain has the chance of playing. Or is it true that Phil Neville is genuinely consider considering playing Gonzalo Higuain? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I was skeptical on the knee injury thing anyway. Um, and I just think that there's he's he's had to have fallen out of place within this team. I mean, they're on they've won three games on the bounce without him, right? Yeah. And you, you look at that that form and you think of the guys that they're doing it with. They've never needed a true creator in the midfield to accomplish that. They've never needed a number 10 or a Gonzalo Higuain style number nine to accomplish what they've been doing. It's been dead set on heavy and hard work rate in the midfield, towering center back pairing and wing backs and wingers that can get up and down the pitch in lightning fast speed. That's what it's been built on. And also, actually, I should say it's been built on Leonardo Campana being in the right position multiple times here and here again. Like it's been... That's what it's been. It's never revolved around a central midfield role who needs to be a creative playmaker. And if that's what they want Gonzalo Higuain to do, if that's what they think the player he is at this moment of time, he should not be on the pitch. I think that there's no reason for him to be on the pitch. It hinders your chances to go on and get four wins in a row for the first time in club history. And against a team like Atlanta United, where I think that they're probably going to control the possession, you need players, at least three in the midfield, who are going to put in the effort to try and win the wall back or at least man mark and, and put pressure on a team that's going to hold the ball in the middle. And with Gonzalo Higuain taking away one of those numbers, whether it's John Mota or Robert Taylor or Robbie Robinson or Ariel Lasseter or Mo Adams, it becomes it just becomes an issue. And if you swap Campana and Higuain at this time for him to be a true number nine, I think all hell would break loose. I think that literally the fan base would turn on Phil Neville in an instant. And I know he would never, ever do that. He literally said that he Phil Neville, specific words, said Leonardo Cabana is undroppable. He said that on Friday. Um, so that would obviously never happen. But those are the things that you have to think about. And where does Gonzalo Higuain fit in this team? And I just, I, I, the, a simple answer for me is that he doesn't. He doesn't fit right now. And until you need a lifeline, there's genuinely, in my opinion, no point in having him on the field minute one. There's no point in doing that. So that's just my opinion. That was also your opinion. Uh, But let's let's move on from that and into what can happen on Sunday. Um, I like to do predictions. You know, I love predictions. Uh, And with this, I I think, you know, Miami's going to this game with really good form. Capana is going to probably bag himself another goal. I think that you're going to go back to a stronger lineup than what you saw with Miami FC. I think Lassiter and Taylor, or sorry, Lassiter and Ravi will be on the wings trying to get at the fullbacks. Um, And then you also have, you know, that midfield threat without Gregory is going to be a little bit different, but 
the way that Taylor and John Monta can push up in between the half spaces can be threatening, especially on counters. Uh, so before we wrap up here, Alex, your prediction for the game against Atlanta. I know you said it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but can Miami pull out the win? Uh, yes, I think, you know, whether uh, Atlanta are traveling, Miami's in good form. I know, you know, I know it seems a little absurd to, to bet on Miami, but I would, you know, they're in good form. They're in high spirits, especially if uh, Egoine doesn't start. I think, you know, speed, speed kills, like, you know, especially in this league, if you're just faster than your opponent, you know, and you can pull them out of shape nine times out of 10, you won't be able to control that and look at the excuse me, the game against Seattle, you know, um, no one, I think we were all kind of holding our breath, wondering, okay, what's going to happen here. But, you know, uh, surprisingly, uh, I, you know, I will say surprisingly Miami was able to uh, not only get a goal, but also, you know, close out the game without uh, conceding a goal, especially, uh, you know, when uh, uh, Schmetzer brought on Seattle's uh, first team, uh, um, uh, excuse me, starters, you know, they were able to hold on to that, you know, it was just an impressive performance. And I do think that they will take that and the Miami FC game and build on that. Um, yeah, I think Atlanta will be difficult, but, you know, like I said, you get uh, Lasseter Robinson in behind and, you know, you pull their defense out of shape and, you know, who, who knows the sky's the limit for them. So um, I'll say uh, 2-1 Miami, 2-1, I think. Uh, Campano will be on the score sheet again. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll go out and say they'll score a set piece and uh, McVay will score. So uh, 2-1 Miami. A set piece goal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That 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 would be much needed. I would say. Yeah. I think that that conversation has shifted a little bit because of what they've been doing. But Miami has never been good on set pieces in their history. And if they were to bag one, uh, I think that that would be you know quite the improvement. It would be something to build off of. But um, I I think you're a little better than I am. I think that this is going to be a one-one draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also think that Capana scores again just because of the form he's in. You. I can't bet against that. Um, But I think that Atlanta will pull out a a goal in which they possibly pressure Miami at the back when they're trying to build a little bit, or if they have possession or they're trying to control possession. Um, I I can see that 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 part of the game may be an issue for them. So I'm going to say one, one, I think it's still a pretty decent result, you know, considering all, all, all context here. But I do think Miami have the ability and the squad right now to pull out a win against this Atlanta side who is a little bit hindered by injury. I believe that if it wasn't for Castanera also getting injured, the ex-Inter-Miami uh, player, um, he possibly could be the starter, but he got injured before Guzan got injured and now Guzan got injured. And so I think, um, I believe their their next man up is... Bobby Shuttleworth, I think his name is. I'm not too yeah. familiar. Yeah, so it, it could be, you know, it could be, a, a, you know, a Jean Mota long shot type of day. It could be, uh, <laughs> it, you know, you never really know. You never really know what's going to happen. But I do, I do fancy Miami to at least get a goal. Um, probably not to, to concede too many because we've seen back-to-back clean sheets now for, I believe, the first time since August and September of 2021, which is, a, you know, a long time. Uh, but I, I think they do have the ability to score two, and if a two-one scoreline's there, all credit to you, Alex. Um, that would be <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Uh, but with that said, this has been the Heron Outlet uh, for Ian Hess, who is not with us. Andres, our producer, is in the back. For Alex Winley, I'm Austin Roblard. Uh, we will see you guys here next week.